Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone and you're welcome again to the Game on Sunday podcast. Michael Lester here with you and as usual I am joined on my podcast, the podcast I should say, by Tomas Mulcahy. Tom, how are you? How are you keeping? I'm all good, Michael. Looking forward to Santa. <laughs> have, you, have you sent in your, your note? Oh, I've sent in my request a long time ago, yeah. It's All-Ireland hurling. Big tree for Cork 2024. Well, yeah, I don't know if Santa does that kind of thing, actually. But sure, look at the best look with it anyway. Um, He can try try his best. (laughs) He can try his best, exactly, yeah. Um, If you've been listening to the podcast over the last couple of months, you know that uh, this time of year we've been joined by a special uh, guest each episode and that is the case again on this episode and I am delighted that we are being joined on this occasion by Oakteron Common Luke Class Scale, Larry McCarthy. Larry, good to have you along with us. How are you keeping? Very good, Michael. Thank you. And like Tomas, looking forward to Santi um, and maybe delivering an All-Ireland to Car and to New York. Yeah, I'm not quite sure now if you can have both, but anyway, sure, you know, uh, we, we, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Um uh, Larry, of course, you know, as they say, out of New York, but um, originally from Bishopstown, which means, of course, that on this particular podcast, I am surrounded by Corkmen. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> well, you have a north side and a south side as well, which is kind of even better still. North side of the city and south side of the city, right? So you're, you're surrounded, Michael, definitely. Sort of, and in, all, in all events, as they say, yeah. We bring balance, Michael. We bring balance. Bring balance. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with a bit of balance. That's that's for sure. Um, I suppose, Ari, we we should begin by talking about the fact you're coming towards the end of your run. Like you're you're not finished yet, obviously. But uh, let's say you're you're on the last lap of your presidency, um, and I just want to reflect with you, uh, if you would, and get your reflections on what the last pretty much at this stage three years. Um, have been like for you? Well, as somebody told me recently, you see the off-ramp. And at this stage, I see the off-ramp, I suppose. Yeah, I'll hand over the, the 
the mantle to Jarlett Burns. I um, had Congress on the third weekend in, in February. Um, and I will give up the best job I ever had in my life, Michael. It's been a tremendous gig. Uh, it's been a wonderful honour, obviously, to be moved on coming to Class Grail. But aside from that, the whole challenge of being president of the GA has been absolutely stimulating and has been wonderful. It's been intense um, and it's been go, 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 but has been, as I say, the best job I ever had in my life. You came in at, a, as, I suppose, a slightly peculiar time for all of us, if you like, <clears throat> because COVID was still rattling around the place at that time. Did that make things different, if you like, for you? Oh, it did. It was very difficult the first couple of months, but I suppose in contrast to my predecessor, John Horn, I was opening things up. Um, and so he was closing things down, unfortunately, yeah. John and his yeah. So there was a completely different vibe to what I was doing. Um, than what poor John was doing. But it was difficult. I mean, um, how do you celebrate taking over as the 40th president of the GEA? Well, in my case, I was in an apartment here in Dublin with my lovely wife, Barbara, and we had a fish and chips and a bag and a bottle of champagne, and we FaceTimed with our two sons in New Jersey. Some of my predecessors, when they took over and went home that particular day, had bonfires and crowds. And so I was confined to an apartment having fish and chips Nothing wrong with it, I hasten to add, but it was it was different, obviously. Um, and then we dealt for the following eight, 10, 12, a couple of months anyway, um, with the government um, in terms of statutory um, paperwork. And we were always trying to get permission from the government to see what um, crowds we could have. Could we open up games? Could we have increased the crowd? What was it? What were, we were dealing with. Um, government all the time. So that was a challenge, obviously. But as I said, I was opening things up where John was closing things down and that was totally different. It surely was. I, I remember Tomas looking back on those days and um, at that stage, I had retired from RTE and obviously retired from from the hot seat, if you like, on the Sunday game. And that, and I just found it very peculiar, Tomas, watching uh, championship matches with nobody there. You know, it, it was it was a kind of a weird period for, for everybody. Yeah, it, it was an incredible time, Michael, yeah, from, from René de County and obviously club matches as well. And even when it did open up briefly in terms of, you know, getting 500 or 1,000 people into a match and then slowly and gradually increasing, it was it was a very strange period. And like I'd like to ask Larry, in terms of that, did did it, that period, Larry, change the mindset of how the GA would do business going forward? Like it has changed the mindset of a lot of businesses and companies all over the world and particularly all over Ireland in terms of people working remotely. Has it changed in terms of where the GA is going? Um, I'm not so sure it's changed where we're going, Tomas, but like a lot of other businesses and enterprises, it has changed how we function and how we work. Um, people work an awful lot more remotely now when, in terms of the the staff here in Croke Park, for instance. Um, but it did deliver the split season, you know. Um, it confirmed that the split season for us was was a good idea. Um, and, and that was a benefit, if you like. And in fairness to the government, they supported us all the way through that. And we came out of it robustly at, at the end of it, yeah. in terms of our accounts, um, was it la- last year? Um, so, I mean, we, we, we shook it off to a, to a great extent um, and moved on. And, um, and we're doing quite well, I think, uh, subsequently. Um, but one of the best days of my presidency, and I had no hesitations in this year, um, at the day... And both jurisdiction, two different days, when our kids got back into our clubs 
Um, and that brought a vibrancy back to the organisation, brought a vibrancy back into the clubs, the, the heartbeat of the clubs to a certain extent. And that weekend when the kids were allowed to play again was it was a huge relief to everybody, not least to parents um, who would have been stressed out mightily um, <laughs> yeah. by, the, by the fact that they were, their kids were confined to barracks, if you like. Um, and that was that was one of the highlights of, of, of my three years here as old Tronic and I show you to see that vibrancy coming back into our clubs. Harvey, you were the first uh, overseas president of the GEA. Um, on a personal level, packing your bags in New York and heading back to Ireland uh, to take up this role was that a, was that a big decision for you? Because I mean, it's it's a huge it's a huge upheaval, if you like. Uh, on a on on a personal as well, on a personal level. Um, no, it wasn't me, Michael. Um, I'll tell you when I was out meeting county boards and the run up to the election. One of the things I would always say to them: Look, there's an awful lot of reasons you wouldn't vote for me, lads, but don't let the fact that I'm based in New York be one of them. Um, I'm I work at the university, I'm a professor in the school of business at a university. Um, I take a sabbatical. I'll get three years off. Universities are well used to people. <laughs> disappearing for a couple of years back. <laughs> and so that, that's not going to be an issue and if I do get elected I will move home because I have heard rumblings um, in the background how in the name of God is this guy in New York going to be act as president is he going to be over and back is he going to be doing the front avenue um, how is it going to work so having committed myself Michael to it I obviously had to do it um, yeah and then you know then we we, we just got on with it um, I go back to that night that, that Barbara was here with me the night I got I took over um, the following morning at 7 o'clock in the morning she was in Dublin airport on her way back to America because she yeah. started a new job on the 1st of March and I started a new job on the 1st of March the only problem was that there was 3,000 miles between us um, and so she and she went back and for the first two years I was here on my own um, now it kind of suited because it was COVID time to a certain extent um, but then she joined me last um, last December um, and so she's been here since. But it, it wasn't a great upheaval because I promised to do it and I had the arrangements in place with my employer, obviously, Michael, you know. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you this, I've settled in real well to being home in Ireland after 37 years, you know. Fair play um, yeah. It, it hasn't <laughs> been, it hasn't been a, a big adjustment. Now, the question I have to ask myself personally is, is that a function of the fact that I'm president of the GEA or is that a function of the fact that I'm back in Ireland? And I suspect the answer lies somewhere in between. Um, but the, the complicating factor to a certain extent is Barbara having joined me. She has settled in real well to be involved after 37 years as well. So I uh, see what man says. Sure, Larry, there, there, there's nothing like the green fields of Ireland. You know, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll find a job for you down on Bishopstown, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> the green fields of Cork and my home by the Lee, Tomas. <laughs> Could I ask you, Eric, is this, so, is this something when you were in New York that you kind of said to yourself, one day I'd like to be president of Comanu Casquale? Because, as you mentioned, it is a prestigious honour. It's an incredible honour. No, never had any ambition to be, never entered my mind, never crossed my mind, ever. Um, and how it happened was, well, I'll bore you now, I suppose, at this stage, um, I got elected as a trustee in 2018, um, one of the two trustees of the GA, which meant I was on, Ma- on Christabonish Deer on the management committee. Um, and so I was here once a month for those meetings and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then somebody, jokingly, I would think, said to me, you should think about going for presidency. And I said, no, you're mad. 
Um, don't be crazy. <laughs> it, it never, because it never entered my mind. Um, and I mean, I don't know why it never entered my mind, but it never did. And then a couple of other people sort of said to me, "Yeah, dog, you should." And one or two sort of people who I'd respect said the same thing. And I said, "Look, all right, this thing, these guys must be serious." So Barbara and I were away for a weekend, and I said it for. Uh, I said, listen, there's guys in Ireland who are thinking that I should be run for president of the GEA. And her remark to me back was, and I'll never forget it, don't die regretting you didn't do it. And, you know, so as, at that kind of level, but, you know, her, sorry, her retort to me, first of all, is what do you think? And, of course, being the decisive male that I am, I said, I don't know. And then she came back, with, well, don't die regretting you didn't do it. Uh, and so we just ran, ran with it from there. But to say that it was a lifetime ambition to us, it, it never was. It just sort of came upon me. Con- yeah. Happened, shall we say, once I got in here as, as a member of Christopher team. Larry, looking back over those three years or almost three years, um, and and obviously you're, you're, you're going to reflect on the highs, the lows, I guess, at the same time. Uh, what do you think have been the biggest issues through your presidency? Oh, the biggest issues. Um, I suppose a couple of things we've changed around here. We brought in a, a new season, a new championship form. We brought in a split season. Um, but there are things we can control, Michael. Some of the things, the issues that we have ongoing are things we can't control, um, such as you know population movement, demographics, um, the movement in this country generally trending towards urban areas and towards the East Coast in many cases and away from from rural parts of the country um, and how that impacts our clubs. Um, and while we can make adjustments in terms of our laws, in terms of our rules to accommodate that sort of thing, we don't have any control over it. Um, it's a function of government, it's a function of opportunity for people to stay and, and live and work in their own areas, perhaps in rural areas as well. And then the contrast is the demand for our services, and I use the services term in the broadest sense, in terms of access to games in urban areas. Um, you know, where are we going to get pitches in, in, in Cork? Where are we going to get pitches in Dublin? Where are we going to be able to afford? And so, but they're outside our control, and that's going to be an ongoing challenge for us, you know. Um, other things we can control to a certain market forces as well will dictate how we're going, um, perhaps in terms of uh, television contracts, perhaps in terms of sponsorships. You can't control those. Um, you manage them to the best you can. But the one, the big one, I think, is is sort of you know migration to a certain extent, and and its impact on on clubs both in urban areas and in rural areas. You mentioned Larry the population situation, um, and one big aspect of it as well as we all know very well is uh, the number of non-nationals who've been coming to Ireland over the last oh numbers of years now. People who didn't grow up with Gaelic games. Do you think there is an appropriate plan in place to integrate uh, people from, say, Eastern Europe or wherever the case may be, into the GEA? Or, or or do you think that will just kind of happen organically, if you like? Um, to a certain extent, I think it'll happen organically because I think a lot of people who come to this country will realise that to really understand Ireland, you kind of have to be part and parcel of the GEA. Um, yeah. Or you- you you, you you climatize much better if you're a member of the GEA. Now, having said that, counties in particular, and I'm saying this, at, are at the local level, are doing mm-hmm. work to integrate people in the in their communities. But as you well know, Michael, we're community based, so where there are 
non-national, shall we say, they will be integrated into the community by the clubs, um, sometimes organically, sometimes deliberately, um, but if it, it'll be a non-going process. The, the challenge, I suppose, with non-nationals is that they have a sport that they look to. They have soccer, uh, and soccer would be their first sport, I would suggest, for from most of them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that they're, they're not... That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, they're not part and parcel of our, our sports culture yet. Um, but I'm sure that, that they will become it. But they, they do have another sports culture out there in terms of their aspirations or their children's aspirations might be to play professional soccer rather than play GEA, you know? Um, yeah, that, sure. You know, they, um, that, that's going, that'll be an ongoing challenge for us, an ongoing challenge, obviously, for the country, as, as we know. But, I mean, an integration will always be um, but I mean, part and parcel of it is that you you sort of integrate through sport, or you can be integrated through sport as well. You know, your own toss, your own part of Cork. Uh, do you see that integration happening? How do you think it's working? Yeah, I, I agree with Larry in that. I think it's yeah, it will happen maybe organically in terms of your location within your your, your, your within your county and stuff like that. The population growth that's there, um, urban and rural, as 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 you said, Larry. Um, and look, yeah, I think we're we're beginning to see it. I think a lot of it will happen through the school structure as well. People going to kids going to school, playing games in the school, will will eventually come into the GA stream. But yeah, I agree. I, I suppose other sports will look at that as seen as an opportunity for them as well, and particularly the soccer world. If you if you're looking at it in terms of Ireland and where they're at at the moment, in terms of like you 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 you've you've a lot of people have come from overseas and all par- participating. In the soccer in a in a wider scale, um, maybe than GA, but look, yeah, time, time, I think, time, time will 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 make sure that that happens, and I I think maybe the school structure is is a way forward for that definitely, and even on that side of it, Michael, I I look on the other side, and I see um our last guest um um, uh, Sean Cavanaugh, sorry, yeah, and he was saying something on the other side in terms of the overseas side of it, and and Larry, you probably have seen this in your travels, um. Competition being beginning to get even better in terms of overseas, Larry. I mean, he was kind of maintaining that he might we might see a bit more success coming from overseas. We might see a bit more. So you mentioned New York there. You might see a bit more participation coming from overseas. Can you ever see that happening? Oh yeah, there is. I mean, the next New York. I will point out to you proudly that New York are the All Ireland Junior Football Champions. They won yes. this summer. And that's yeah, the first yeah, All Ireland. Yeah. New York ever won, um, and that was another good day. And my my um, my presidency, I can assure you. Um, but the North America are putting a team in the USGA are putting a team into the All Ireland Junior Football Championship this year, um, and I can see that happening in in other parts of the world as well. Um, you know, Europe perhaps. Well, Europe as as it is participate in the Leinster Junior competitions and hurling and football. So there's no doubt. I think that you're going to see that expand. The challenge, of course, is is, is travel. The travel is cost and travel, um, and it's it's very difficult to see an Australian team, um, you know, traveling home on a consistent basis. But that's the beauty, um, Michael and Travis, of the World Games. The World Games were held in Derry between the two All Irelands last summer. You had ninety five teams from across the world, um, and everybody had a wonderful week. It was the best week of, of, of the year, I can assure you. Um, and everybody went home buzzing. And on the Monday night, the Derry County Board and, and the Derry City Authority or the Derry City Council organized a parade into the into the Guildhall Square 
and it was an absolutely magnificent opening to the to the to the week and the week just rolled on with a huge contribution from a whole load of clubs across Derry um and from the from the Derry County Board of Owenbeg. Um but I, I can see that growing and expanding. I mean the Asian games for instance are are a, two the Asian games are phenomenal in and of themselves. I played in Kuala Lumpur in October. Um and lots of people who have no connection with Ireland at all play and, and loving it. Um, and then the, the the Middle Eastern games as well. Now they're a difficult, they're a different animal in in this regard. Um, it's mostly teachers and it's mostly people in the health professions who play in that. But they're all Irish. But then the culture of the Middle East would not be a sports culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the work that these guys do is not only are they not the dominant sport in those countries. Um, they're not. There's not even a sports culture in some of them. Um, yeah, there is a sports culture, for instance, in Australia, but the, the Irish games are not the dominant sports culture. So you have to give great credit to the people who are uh, growing and developing the GA abroad in in those circumstances. Think of it in the context: it's relatively easy to grow the GA in Ireland because we are the dominant sport and we are the dominant sports culture. But try putting that into a place where you're not, um, and you you know you're you're fighting the whole ethos of the country to a certain extent. There's no no reason why you know participation wouldn't expand beyond you know we say New York in the Junior Football Championship. To go back to your point, and I'm going to sound very very parochial. You know, New York are playing hurling in the Connacht League. Um, they played last year and they played this year. It's a it's a preseason competition run the first week in January. But again, like that, there's no reason why it wouldn't grow. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Harry, I, I asked you uh, a couple of minutes ago there about some of the bigger issues that um, that you perceived in your in your time as GA president, and that you mentioned a few of them. Um, some you said the GA can control a lot of things are are outside your control, of course, and all that kind of thing. One of the things that you mentioned was TV, and yep. and I suppose TV rights and so on. And of course, this has been a debate over the last so. This certainly over the last year, anyway, and the whole GEA scenario. What's your reflections or your 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 thoughts on all of that? You mean the GEA go scenario, Michael? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's one of the best things we've ever done. Um, I think we we've we have control of our own fixtures at this stage um, in terms of be, putting them on our own telecast, our own telecast being GEA go. Um, you know, the other, some of the other networks did, weren't necessarily interested in some of the packages we had on offer. Um, but the very fact that we can now control our own fixtures and show so many more games um, is a great boon to us. 
Um, and as I say, we're not we're not stuck to putting one game on in the seven o'clock TV slot on a Saturday evening. We can put multiple games in there, um, which means we have more control over that sort of package. Um, and I think ultimately this will develop and grow. Um, I don't know where it will go, but I mean, I think it's, it's been a great service. And obviously I would think that it's of great value. Um, and I, I've, I've tremendous experience of GA Go, Michael, obviously being a part of the diaspora since it was started way back in the of course, yes, years, yeah. time, you know. Um, so I think it's one of the best things that we, we, we've done. But can I come in there, Larry? Because I, I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't be in agreement with, agreement with you on everything here in terms of GA Go. And look, it is an income stream. Um, just in terms of take, you take our own county, Cork, and, and, and yeah. the multi games that are gone on GA Go, going to go on GA Go for 2024. Um, you've maybe a, a Cork, uh, Cork beating Limerick in football, Cork Kerry goes on GA Go. Um, can you, can you explain the rationale behind that in terms of the, the ordinary folk that made the GA what it was in terms of the older generation that put so much time into their clubs, into their teams, bringing guys and kind of now sitting at home and don't have access to Diego or won't have access to Diego? Well, Michael, Arga, Tomas, that was a function of the, of the matches that RTE picked. Um, and RTE picked certain games on those particular days when car horrors were playing. And if we didn't put it on GA Go, they wouldn't be available at all. Okay, but but you're free to hear on RTE, we'd say, for Ireland's sake, I'll just take, we'd say Cork versus Waterford, the first round of the Munster Seed Ireland Championship next year, 2024. Probably 18,000 capacity going to, to Watch Park. Normally, you might have 20,000 car people traveling on a given day for, for hurling championship. So a lot of them will have to buy into Diego to see the match, right? Because they won't get into the venue. And then the older generation um, won't have access to be, able to, to be able to sit back on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. And like, does the compactness of the season, right, mean that we have to go and we have to go down the road of Diego? Could we not put a match the following week? Or could we not put a match on a Friday night that it's all covered? Well, the, the RTE have certain certain slots, um, certain slots for games, and they they did not pick Cork essentially for for a couple of those matches. So we're putting it on Diego Tomas. And I mean, you know, if if we we had to we have to do it. We, we, if we want more people than the eighteen thousand you're alluding to in terms of getting into Walsh Park, um, how else are we going to do it? You know. Um, and so, I mean, yes, I mean, okay, there, there is always going to be an older generation who will be as a curve of adoption out there in, in the literature, which says that, you know, that there's people who are well-versed in, in new products, new technologies and stuff like that will always adopt very easy to it. And then there's a curve that goes on to the early, early majority, late majority, and then there's laggards and people who are, are, are very slow to adopt stuff. Um, and so at the end of that, that typically tends to be people who are, who are older to a certain extent. Um, and what we've got to do is try and make sure that those people have access to GA Go, whether through their families or through their clubs, um, but make sure that they can um, can see those games. But the, the whole, I suppose, the issue goes back to the fact that the car curling curlers were not picked by RT to be shown on um, free-to-air slots on, on Sunday afternoon. And as a result of that, we decided we would show it so that people could have access to the games. Okay, and I, I'm not just talking about Cork here, right, because um, I, I would feel I'm done with bias. I'm just talking about the whole concept of GA Go. I mean, 
was this kind of there to replace Sky because Sky pulled out of the the, the, the big championship in terms of the commercial side of it? And I know, look, we're all in commercial. I'm a Volvo One car here myself in terms of we, we we have to bring revenue in from somewhere. And um, is was it to to, to kind of um, take the place of Sky and then become a revenue stream? Well, I mean, the, the Sky weren't interested. Sky didn't take the packages that were on offer. So what are you going to do? Not show them. And so we made a conscious decision that we would show them um, through GA Go. I mean, it's a very, very mo- small television market, Tomas. Yeah. Um, there's, there's there's not many people out there looking to, to televise because the sheer size of the market um, okay. in terms of what a, a population of 5 million, 6 million on the island. Um, okay. You know, and so it's it's a very limited market. So as a consequence of that, um, we made the decision to create this service so that we could give exposure to our games and so that more people could see them. Okay. And if I just add, add it on to that point, sorry, no, Mike, just on that, on to that point then, in terms of... Yeah, sure, yeah. And in the county team, in terms of sponsorship, uh, Larry, when you sit down and you do a contract with a, with a sponsor versus a team sponsor, um, partners, and you're kind of saying at the initial stages you're going to be on TV... RT, national television, big audiences on a regular basis now to find that you're you're behind a paywall and it's it's you're not going to get the same audience levels. How would you how would you kind of say to that for somebody renewing sponsorship afterwards? Isn't that going to be a challenge? It is going to be a challenge for the counties. Yeah, it is. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there's no guarantee in sport that you're going to be successful and be on free to air. Um, and you're dependent on the free-to-air channel that's going to pick pick the matches, and they'll pick the most attractive matches, Tomas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can I ask you? Can I ask you guys? Uh, and obviously, Larry, you in particular, uh, on another aspect of of life of the GEA uh, over the last, um, I think, month or two, uh, new proposals were being rolled out about hurling and and the future of hurling and the, the health of hurling and so on. Um, and I, I'm including, obviously, Tomas, you in this conversation as well, as to where, where things are at going forward with hurling, do you think? Well, what we, we did, um, we proposed that a number of counties, five counties, um, would step back from the National League because of the yeah. of clubs that were in the league. And the initial response from the counties was that they were in favour of it, and then and they weren't when they came to Central Council. Um, so what we did is put a, a work group together, um, chaired by Colm Nolan from Kildare, um, to look at that, look at the whole structure and see how we can increase the number of clubs in those counties in particular and increase the link or increase the number of schools and increase the club link, club school link as well to grow and develop early. And, and my charge to them was give me an action plan um, and you know put some costs on it as well. Um, we're not in, I'm not interested to a great extent in, in a, a sort of broad-based plan or a theoretical plan. Um, I want action. Um, I want action, actionable items, I suppose. And the people we put on that committee are from those counties. They're from a, a line of north of, between, sorry, a line between Galway and Dublin and north of yeah. Yeah. Um People who are experienced of developing hurling in those particular counties. Now, there are two people south of that line. One is Aver O'Dee from Limerick, who was hugely involved in the development of the Limerick Academy many, many, many years ago, which obviously, you know, bore fruit in a big, big way. Very um, close, I thought, yeah. The other person is, is Joey Carton, 
um, who's from Dallas Allen Waterford, who is, is a hurling coach at heart, um, is employed by the Munster Council, um, and hugely engaged in trying to develop hurling. So those guys are, are working, and in fact, the morning, <laughs> excuse me, the morning we had a central council meeting where our idea of having those counties pull back from the league, um, they met at the same time. So they're, they're up and working at this stage, you know. So we'll await their plan to see what they're, they're going to do. Um, and the intent is that we would grow the number of clubs who are playing hurling in those particular counties. Because I'm not sure which of those counties, but there's only one of them. There, there is one of them, which is only two clubs. And they're, you know, they're keeping a, an, an inter-county team going. Um, and the report that came from the CCCC was that some of those players who run the inter-county team did not make their club teams for the county final. And there's got to be something like that, you know? So sure. the, intent is to, the intent is to grow hurling at that lower level. And let me point to one particular league, and it, it's a mouthful of a name. It's the South Ulster Junior Developmental Hurling League, run by Kieran Farmer. Um, and there are teams from all over, essentially West Ulster, um, who play games in the middle of the week um, in various locations, um, and and it's a great league because the guys are playing competitive hurling against players of their own caliber and their own standard, and they're getting a consistent set of games because within their own county there's not enough teams to play, and so for instance, Satanta and Bart would be two teams in Donegal, for instance. They play in this league, and they get to play against teams in Tyrone, East Cabin, Castle Blaney. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful league to develop hurling at that level, at, at the grassroots level, so that we can grow it further. Okay, can I just come in there, Michael? In terms of that, Larry, and this is kind of maybe a conversation that we've had all through the summer in terms of the podcast for the game on Sunday. We, we take the championship season and people looking to say, why can't it not be pushed out further in July to give a bit more breathing space, the compactness of the season in terms of with a, a monster and the Leicester Championship campaign and hurling in terms of the Munster Championship campaign. You pay you play one match on a Saturday night, the following Sunday week, you play another match, you might have a break. It all comes very, very quick in terms of where it's at. And we, we talk an awful lot about player welfare. But if, if you're picking up an injury and something like that, your chances of recovery are very, very slim. And I kind of feel the same as yourself. I'm sure in terms of a sports science, rest and recovery is, is the important thing. Are we pushing too much on the players at a time? Like, they're back training now into county teams. They've been back a, a, a while. They're going into a, a kind of a, a, a season of, of a league campaign before championship and it all seems to be very, very compact, Larry. Tomas, who are we serving here? Are we serving just the inter-county game or are we serving the club game as well? And I would make the point that we, we have a responsibility to serve the 98% of our players who are not inter-county players and give yeah. them the opportunity to play in good weather, in good ground, um, at the end of, at, at, in early autumn, shall we say, or at the end of the summer. And I'd make the point here that on... on Last September, the first Sunday in September, there was 150 senior championship matches played on the island of Ireland. Now, if you take it that that would be, there probably 40 lads, 40 people involved in each team. So that's 6,000 people playing senior championship on the first Sunday in September. And I would argue that you can probably treble that for intermediates and junior. So 18,000 people playing 
championship hurling in football on good grounds in good weather um, on the first Sunday in September. Um, and if we had our Ireland final in here on the first Sunday in September, we would probably have 52 people involved, 52 players involved. So my point is that we have to accommodate the club player as well. And the consequence of that is that the inter-county season has become compacted. Okay, but is is that the best in terms of player welfare, in terms of, you take the competition, like Munster Championship is is really, really intense. Look, and I suppose you have to take into consideration the views of the players and maybe that's what they want themselves. But it seems to me now that the preparation time is beginning sooner at this side of the year, going into a Munster Senior League or an Auburn Cup in, in, in Leinster, into a National League campaign and then straight into now. Some of the guys coming back from, from like, I mean, you see the exodus of players go to the US once the inter-county guy, the game is finished, which you can't blame guys, they need a big breathing space. Um, it, it, it's very, it's fierce demanding, though, Larry, and you understand what you're saying, but if if you could push back, maybe, like, you've, you've some games, you've two matches within a fart, and then they're not playing for another two weeks after that, and I know that's probably down to football and whatever it is in terms of venues and stuff like that as well, you know, so... It is. It is down to football, it's down to hurling, it's down to accommodating everybody. But it's also a challenge for managers, I would argue, Tomas. The, the, the new championship format is a challenge in terms of managing panels as mm. think managing teams. And you can't just focus on your first 15. You have to expand your panel and you have to have people who can step in because you are going to have those knocks and you're going to have those injuries and somebody's going to be missing it. And I think... What has happened is, if I look at clubs, have managed that very, very well. Um, I put the successful teams in football, for instance, Kilmacud, Glen, for instance, Castlehaven, um, and St. Bridges have managed to accommodate their players coming back in very, very well into their panels. Um, I'm not so sure the county managers have yet got the notion that I have to manage and develop and enhance the players um, beyond my first 15 or beyond my first 21 into 26 and maybe up as far as 30. Um, so it's an ongoing challenge, but that gives more opportunity for people to play games and play championship hurling um, and be in, be participating in the Munster, Munster Championship, Tomas. Okay. Uh, Larry, could, could I could I just change topic slightly? Well, a fair bit, actually, um, at the moment. Um, just to talk to you about, as I said, you're, you're coming into that final lap of your presidency, Jareth Burns, is uh, taking over from you, uh, new president. If you were to give Jareth Burns a bit of advice from your experience over the last three years, what would you say to him? Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace it and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Um, and there'll be lots of stuff that, you know, he'll hear about simply because it's such a huge organization. Um, you know, but just embrace embrace the role that you have um and and and, and enjoy it would be would be my advice to him, you know. Make sure yeah. that the facilities are well are make and I've said this to him already, um, you know there are there were thirty one committees um that were appointed. I shot three of them. Um, and I, we've it down to 28 now, um, and some of them are in by, by rule. Um, but make sure you you pick good committee chair people and good committees, and then let them off. Um, let them do their job. 
And I've pointed the CCCC, the one that, that Derek Kent shared, for instance, as a committee that did a wonderful job as far as I'm concerned. Um, the Games Development Committee has done a wonderful job, I think, under John Tobin. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't know on a day-to-day basis what those guys are doing. Um, they go off and they'll give them the responsibility and let them off. It's just not, you're not, you're just not capable of understanding everything that's going on. But let them off and, and let them run it. Um, and enjoy the experience. Well said, if, and for, if, and, and if for Larry, just Mike, yeah, sorry, just, much, um, yeah. Larry, if I was just saying, if, what would you feel is the biggest challenge going forward in terms of, is, is kind of, we'd say, you're looking from the outside in, in terms of um, a former play, being a former player and saying the de- escalation of cost to, to manage or running into county team, we're seeing the figures coming out now through conventions and whatever it is, 2 million or 2.1 million. Can that be maintained, do you reckon? Or is, is there is there a need to control that? Because I see it, it's coming back into the club structure in terms of what's happening in the county, must happen at club structure and stuff like that as well. That's the demands. That's, that's the expectation. That, that, there's a trickle-down effect to the Moss. There's absolutely yeah. um, no doubt about that. Um, but, I mean, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Yeah. Um, and, and why can't you say stop? Um, and it's 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 in the you know it, it's up to counties to say no we can't afford that we can't do that. Um, would you not? Would you not? Sorry, like would you not think that's up to Crow Park because the the county guy um, when you ask that question would tell you. But sure, if we're not going to do it, Dublin will do it, or somebody else will be doing it, and we're going to be left behind. We're going to fall behind. But I mean, where's the money coming from? The 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 the, the, the check is signed at the county level, Tomas. Yeah. The, the, the cost is incurred at the county level. We don't control the costs from from centrally. So, yeah. I mean, the the, the decision is made to expand that money at that local level. Yeah. Now, I mean, I what, you, what you could do is come in and say, right, for a Division One team, you can have, I'm speculating here, two physiotherapists, two masseuses, one doctor, whatever would be appropriate yeah. for treating 40 people like that. And then perhaps um, there might be an idea that you could set a race for those so that um, every night a doctor gets X and that's standard across the country or every night the masseuse gets X or the, the physiotherapist gets Y um, and you bring perhaps a little bit more smock on it in that regard. But that decision is still going to be made at the local level, Tomas. That's up to yeah. the yeah, no, and, and, and look, I, I, I'm, I'm only throwing those questions out to you, Larry, just get my own head around it, because there are things I get asked on a regular basis when I go meet people and they talk, and we everything comes up, and it's, it's down from a club perspective as well. So, look, it is great to hear from yourself in terms of where where, where you think, yeah, and it's down to each inter-county team, maybe at that, that stage, right, you know? So, yeah, over to you, Michael. Larry, when you hand over the badge in a few weeks' time, um, what's the future for Larry McCarthy? What have you have you thought about that? What you're going to do? Um, I have a little bit. Um, professionally, my job is there for me, Michael. As I said, I took a yeah. sabbatical at the university, um, and I was there at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the last weekend, and or third weekend, third Thursday and Thursday. I went into the university, and I met the dean, and the dean said to me, "You're on the schedule for the spring," and I said, "Joyce, it's not happening." She said, "What?" I said, I won't be back in the spring. When will you be back? I'll be back in the autumn. I'll be back for the fall. Okay. So I go back teaching. Um, 
lecturing at Seton Hall University starting in the fall semester around the end of August in 2024. Um, and then we, we'll see what happens after that. Um, I'll probably move, live between both countries now, much more so than I would previously because I've settled in so well to being here and because we bought some place to live when I moved over three years ago. Um, and so in terms of GA involvement, I haven't thought about that. I'd have to decompress from this job, obviously. First of all. Uh, and I have, I have been warned. I have been warned by my lovely wife, Barbara. And I, I tell you, I'll tell you the story. I lived in Georgia. We lived in Georgia in the 90s. And I was hugely involved in the 1996 Olympics. So there was a two-year preparation period and then the games themselves. And I lived in the Olympic Village with the Irish team taking care of them. And I was the principal point of contact with the, the Olympic Council of Ireland, as it was then, with the local organizing committee, ACOG, the Atlantic Committee for the Olympic Games. But post-Olympics, once the, once the flag came down, the circus left town, and that was it. Show over. Barbara said, I was very, very difficult to live with because I was decompressing. Um, and I wasn't so involved anymore. And she has warned me. And, and she's right. She's right to say, look, you know, be ready for this because the phone will stop ringing and you will not be the center of, you won't be the focus of anything, you know, come the, the fourth week in February. So I have to prepare myself psychologically as much as anything for that. Um, and then uh, as terms of in, in GA involvement, I don't know. Um, I will, as I say, decompress. When I go back to New York, maybe get involved again in the New York board somewhere. They'll give me, if they give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. You'll, you'll be seeing around Yonkers, I'm sure, Larry, yeah? Well, I love about, about Yonkers, the boss, but I'd certainly be seeing around Gaelic Park. Anyway. They'll, they'll need an umpire on a Sunday, I'm sure. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That is something to look for, the New York GA. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. All I can say to you, Larry, is your wife, Barbara, sounds like a very solid and sensible woman. Um, but anyway, listen, thank you, Larry, so much for joining us on the podcast. Really enjoyed it and uh, great to have to chat with you. And uh, indeed to you and to Barbara, uh, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. Great. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure to be on. Thanks. Thanks, and Larry. Thanks, much, take care. Uh, much, much appreciated. Happy Christmas to you. Thank you. Happy Christmas to you all. Thank you. And that, on that note, can I just say at this end of year, thank you to everyone for tuning in throughout the year and listening to our podcasts. And also, of course, thanks to all of our guests who have joined us uh, on the various uh, programs. Uh, now, just can I say to you, we are back with the game on Sunday on the 24th of January. And that will be, of course, to start to look forward to the season ahead. And uh, that at that stage will mean the Alliance Leagues. <clears throat> so I hope that you can join us for all of that. In the meantime, have a great Christmas and have a safe and healthy 2024. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. 
Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 